Welcome back to Radio Entrepreneurs. I'm Jonathan Friedman, and our next guests up are Janice and Alexandra Kaye, founders of Corinthus. Welcome to Radio Entrepreneurs. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks, Jonathan. It's great to be here. Good to be so here. tell us a little bit about your organization, what it is that you do. Should I jump in? Go for it. So Corentis is a professional services firm and is dedicated solely to team development, end-to-end uh, set of services from the designing of teams to the launching of teams to the sustaining and the maintenance of teams all the way to their end. And we work with teams live while they're doing their real work and we intervene with them as they do real work so they can actually, in the midst of their again, their real work, they can make the kinds of modifications they need to improve themselves or strengthen their strengths. So, so very practical. Sorry. Yes, that's cool. so we're actually sitting there at during their meetings. During COVID, we're another box on the screen, but we're there coaching them live when they're in their meeting. That's right. Excellent. So it's an interesting approach um, as opposed to observation and providing feedback after the fact, you're really doing it in real time. Um, and how do, how do your clients uh, adapt to that? Because I, I imagine at first it, it feels, uh, it feels from the outside, it sounds a little bit like you're almost in a rehearsal for a play, you know, or something live, <laughs> live television. It's like, you know, cut, let's talk about what's going on. Uh, tell us, uh, tell us how that plays out. And, and, uh, obviously you don't want to take away from flow within a meeting and you want to accomplish that. So how have you managed to navigate those, uh, those pieces, uh, for your clients. And it, I, I would imagine after a while, it becomes kind of natural for them. Um, we're going to expect that these guys are going to give us feedback. Uh, but, but a really interesting approach that you really um, jump in as they're, as they're meeting. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of preparation that happens beforehand. Before we're actually sitting in the meeting with them, there's, there's quite a bit of preparation that we do with the leader as well as with the team to get them prepared for that, you know, for us to be able to you know, lean in and, and, provide feedback. Um, Yeah, I mean, so so what's interesting is that many, many years ago, we started this over 25 years ago, this idea of team coaching was nascent, and most organizations weren't ready for it. But today, more and more organizations are ready for it. And, and And the way you prepare the client to do this, it takes time, right? I think you're right. It's, there's a whole upfront piece about interviewing the team and diagnosing and having them really tell you what they want to focus on. There's a piece about maybe early stages facilitating and training until you get to a point where you can actually intervene. What we have found is actually most teams welcome the opportunity to get good neutral feedback on what's happening in the room from their ways of working, their behaviors, the tools they use, and to be able to talk about it with an eye towards improvement. It's not a, it, it, it's not a, it's not a derogatory piece of work. It's actually a very productive piece of work. And most teams would say, we're finally talking about these things. And because you intervened and gave us that real feedback on this work, we were able to make a decision, solve a problem, move forward, communicate better. So there's a real return that is aligned with the work they do to produce a result. And that's where clients go, oh, that's very different than team building or team training, metaphorically or game playing, which doesn't produce the, the same result. So what are some of the uh, indicators or markers that you typically see in uh, the teams that you work with? What are, what are they experiencing or, or having happen that they're saying, you know, we need some guidance or assistance with this? Is, is there some sort of typical signs or symptoms that, that teams are going through? Can I take that? Sure. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, there's there's a wide range, but I would I'd say, imagine. Yeah, there's a huge range. I would say you you find teams that have found themselves stuck in a performance rut. For some reason, they're not able to move forward with more productivity or more innovation or really landing results on time. Something has happened to their performance where they're stuck or they're actually losing it. Another um, issue is when you, they notice that the communication and the trust has, has lessened or has actually um, become problematic and they know that there are issues in the team that they can no longer resolve. Another issue is, is when they start to notice that, you know, topics like decision-making and accountability and problem-solving are no longer working. They're not making clear decisions. They're not holding each other accountable and they're no longer able to solve problems. And the team has gone again, a little stagnant. When those issues show up, one thought is to go do team building, which is analogies and metaphors. The other is just to deal with it live in the room to increase the performance, that productivity, or that sense of cohesion that gets the team operating again to the levels that it should be at. Do you find a lot of organizations sort of get into a rhythm um, in their team uh, engagement, team meetings, things of that nature that are comfort zones and, and uh, part of what you guys are trying to do is move them uh, beyond their comfort zone and, and create productivity, innovation, because I think comfort zone equals in a lot of respects, stagnation, same old, same old. True. I, I like to think that we're getting them to a new comfort zone, one in which they can work more harmonious together to actually really create and achieve the goal that they're looking for. So sometimes the comfort zone is in a series of norms in which they, it doesn't help them achieve what they're looking to achieve. So that's, I would call that, and they would call that discomfort. Yeah, exactly. So it seems like comfort in the moment yeah. because they're so used to it because it's a normal routine as part of their culture. But there's a big discomfort there because they're not reaching their goals or they're not working harmoniously within, um, with one another. Yeah, there, you know, we know as human beings, when we're in a system, a group or a team, and we know that we're not achieving our potential or there are issues we're not talking about, or we just know that it could be so different only if it sounds like a comfort zone, but I think what Janice says, it's a discomfort zone. And most human beings tend to not want to be a part of those systems. They tend to dread those meetings, not want to be a part of the team, mm-hmm. start to lose the excitement and the buoyancy about being part of a system. So that just exacerbates the original piece and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that those teams spiral down into lower and lower levels of performance, you know? So you've done work with uh, companies uh, globally. Um, and uh, how, how is that uh, um, evolution? Uh, what, what has that evolution been like? How has that happened? Uh, is it predominantly within Europe or are there companies throughout the world? Um, and uh, are you seeing in other cultures uh, besides U.S. cultures, because we are so um, global in a sense, that there's an openness towards team development? You know, now, now when you start talking about different countries, you're talking about cultural uh, aspects that are quite different in terms of norms and how people conduct themselves, um, I would imagine, in teams and in meetings. Um, so do you see big differences in various places where you've been working versus what you may see in a, uh, you know, sort of typical, whatever that means, U.S.-based company? <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I think, first of all, team development is, is um, expanding around the world. I think our recent 
movement towards the more digital interfaces we're having here has offered organizations an opportunity to expand the number of people they work with and to expand the diversity globally of who they're working with. So we are seeing a need for organizations to actually be able to work more collectively in teams and groups globally. I would say though that, um, so team development, I, I, we've done team development in over 30 countries and it's on all five continents. Team development has always been there. Some, some countries are more prone towards the team building than the team coaching. I would say that team coaching, this idea of intervening real time is not for every culture and is not for every nationality. There are some that might find that a little too confronting and a little too public and might shy away and might ask you more to facilitate versus give that live feedback. Other countries might say, give us the feedback afterwards or give it to the leader. We do find that in the United States, um, many organizations are ready for this and many um, organizations in Europe are as well, but it's not global at the same level today. Hmm, that's interesting. So you really need to yeah. adapt. And I would imagine that's the way you do your uh, upfront work in terms of laying things out from a process perspective and understanding where their comfort zones are, or what their, their culture uh, indicates is, is the approach that they prefer to take. So uh, fascinating uh, to see how those differences play out. Yeah. And, you know, team training, training on tools and frameworks, team consulting, team facilitation, are fully legitimate and valid ways to do team development. And if that's what you need to do or start with before you get to a team coaching intervention, that's fine. As you say, make sure you understand where you are, understand your context and meet your clients where they're at. That's really important. Have you um, been uh, in, in situations or have you had success in situations where you're working at multiple levels of an organization with teams throughout an organization? Is that something that um, is, is an evolution that a lot of companies do? Because I, I think people come to the, you know, come to the tape perhaps with the notion that, oh, this is only for executive teams. Um, but uh, are, do you work with functional teams through organizations and, and apply it uh, vertically and horizontally? Yeah, absolutely. We do. We do prefer to start at the executive team because they're the role models. They're the ones that people actually look up to, um, depending on the team. Uh, but that's the that's the best place to start. And then we work, you know, we work with HR and we work with people, you know, across the organization. We also work on the board level. So start, even starting at the executive team and then secondarily working with the organization on the board, where you actually start infecting the culture with say, accountability or better decision-making or better collaboration. Yeah. We're, we're in a couple of systems now where we're at the executive level and then the executives on that team have taken this into their functions or business units and they're working with their leadership teams. And then that's even cascaded down to what you might call management teams. Um, the, the, the really great thing about this is when an individual has seen you do this work and understands how to intervene and jump in, they can actually start doing it for their own teams. So when you, when you actually, you, you really win the game when your clients can do this on their own. And, and the power of team coaching is you no longer are codependent on an external consultant, facilitator, trainer. You understand this idea of self-observation, creating self-awareness, creating self-regulation, which is transformation. When clients can self-observe, to become self-aware and self-regulate, then they no longer need the external. They can do it themselves. And that happens as the system cascades this work down to itself. Interesting. It's, it's, uh, 
It, well, it's it's I guess the the ultimate uh, objective: work your way out of an opportunity to work with the client. <laughs> right? That means you've been successful. You, they 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 can do it on their own. Um, f- fabulous stuff. Uh, in terms of um, uh, you know the, the the length of of, of process, uh, is this something that uh, companies engage for uh, typically for a six month, twelve month? Uh, I know not one size fits all, but it's it's a uh, ongoing process as you talk about until they can. Uh, walk on their own, so to speak, probably run on their own uh, in most cases. But what's what's the typical engagement uh, time frame look like? Again, probably nothing typical, it right? <laughs> it isn't, but we can average it out. I mean, it's they're as short as three months. They've been as long as a year and a half. I, I'm, I would say uh, an average is about you know six to nine months would be right. About nine months that clients are really starting to understand what you're doing and they're able to start moving without you and they'll generally ask you to, you know, if we got it, we got it, we can do this. And, and is there a scale of team that's necessary? Do they need to have a certain number of members on the team or does it work with very small, you know, if you have a leadership team, that's three or four people, does it work uh, versus, you know, needing nine or 10 around a table? Two to three minimum. Two to three. But just not Great. one. Just that'd be one. <laughs> it's, a, it's a team when you have two. Tell them to stop talking, would you? <laughs> well, these, these, these are real great. problem when they're talking to themselves all day long. <laughs> these are great questions, um, really great questions. We, we would say that there's a distinction in size when you go from being a team to a group. When, when you start getting beyond the 10 or 11, 12 person size, you're probably shifting away from what we would call a team size to working group size and larger group sizes. Team coaching tends to be more challenging at those sizes. Not impossible, but when you've got teams that are around the seven to 10, that's ideal. Um, really nice size group because then you can work enough of the challenges within that everybody can participate and engage. And it's much bigger than that. You know, you might have individuals who step out or, or, or hide from the process. Excellent. Makes perfect sense. Uh, our guests have been Alexander and Janice Kaye, founders of... Uh, Corentis, if people want to get in touch with you, learn more about your services and how to work with you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? We prefer the direct approach. So please feel free to email, email us at engageus at corentus.com. So E-N-G-A-G-E-S at C-O-R-E-N-T-U-S dot com. Yes. Excellent. And we, and we answer those. And we answer those. <laughs> nice to hear that. In today's world, you never know, right? Send off an email and uh, why has it been three days and I haven't heard back? Exactly. Um, and our whole team, by the way, our whole company. So yes. We are more than two. <laughs> Excellent. Well, it, it's been a pleasure having you on, learning about your company. Our guests have been Alexander and Janice Kaye of Corentis. It's been a pleasure having you on Ready Entrepreneurs. Thank you nice so much. You, it was awesome. Yeah, it's great. And we'll be right back with another segment on Ready Entrepreneurs. <laughs> 